If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to look at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, actually Matthew 27, and a little bit into 28, as we look at this incredible resurrection story. If you didn't bring a Bible, let me encourage you that the words that I'm going to preach from will be listed in the bulletin, and they'll also be on the screen behind me, so all of us can be able to hear this incredible story. Well... United Airlines, uh, they forcefully removed a man from flight 3411, creating what has clearly become an incredible PR nightmare. As that video of a ticketed and seated passenger was removed from the plane to, to make room for their own employees. And we know that that video went viral. How many of you have seen that video? I imagine everybody has seen that video, unless you haven't been around technology in the last week. How do you spin a story like that? What do you do to try to make that story something that it's not? Or, or make, come out of that looking a little bit better than what you appear to be looking like when you're dragging one of your passengers off of the plane? No one can deny that there wasn't a ticketed passenger who was taken by force and removed from the plane. The whole world saw it. How do you recover? Right? I mean, can you imagine that PR department? How how, how do you respond? The body of Jesus was removed from the grave. No one could argue that. No one could deny that. I mean, history points to the fact that there was a historical Jesus. He was crucified. He was buried. He was placed in a tomb. And the body was no longer there. No one could deny it. And I love the fact because God and his angels would would open up the tomb. They'd remove that stone that was there. Not so that Jesus could get out. But so the world could get in. So that we could see this resurrection story going viral around the world. To see the truth and to realize the joy of that that greatest story, the greatest news. That that story of the resurrection could go viral. We got to know that the story of the resurrection or the story of an empty tomb, it was an absolute PR nightmare for the political and religious leaders of the day. Those powers did not like that story. As a matter of fact, they were so against the story of of Jesus not being in the tomb that two stories are going to emerge and they're still here today. Really today is the tale of these two stories, Uh, a story of a resurrected body or a story of a stolen body, a story of life and hope and resurrection or a story of scam, cover up and death, a story of good news and a story of fake news. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. My staff said, please don't do it, Jeff. It's too much of a political quagmire. But I think it's a great juxtaposition. You have incredible good news, and yet there was a story fabricated to come up against it. And that still stories are competing today, but we know which one wins. Let's look to God's word in the Gospel of Matthew, where I'm going to read from Matthew 27. Beginning in verse 62, as we pick up these competing stories. But let me remind you that this is, this is God's inerrant uh, word. It will never lead us astray. And God didn't give us his story just to entertain us. He's done something so much more. Scripture says that this is a living word. It tells us about a true and living God. And he gives us this word. Ready for this? 
to transform us. So may each of us come and sit before his word again, not just to be entertained or gain some insight, but may God's spirit do what only God's spirit can do to make us more like his son and transform us through this story. Let's hear the word of the Lord beginning in verse 62. The next day it begins. Well, the day before was the day of Jesus's crucifixion. So this is sequentially right in time. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gather before Pilate. Here you have religious leaders, the religious power, and you have also the political power together. Interesting bed, uh, bedfellows that Jesus makes in, in his gospel. And said, sir, these chief priests, We remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. The last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Chapter 26, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. For he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. I love that about scripture. How raw and how real. Fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. I wonder when's the last time Mary Magdalene and the other Mary actually ran. But this is news worth running to tell. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. And while they were going... Behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And this comes, if this comes to the governor's ear, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Basically saying, hey, we're going to pay you. We're going to take care of this. You will be, the Greek, carefree. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. 
The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, we ask that you would be so gracious to us and come and join us because God clearly in, in that first Easter morning, there was competing stories and things that competed for the truth. Is your son alive or is your son dead? Did he rise from the dead or was his body stolen? And God, what we know is that all of the world and all of history hinges on that answer. Because with one comes life and with one comes forgiveness and with one comes this being made new and adopted into your family, but one comes death and despair. So God, would you come and would you shine light on the truth, the truth of your word, the truth of your story. Be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me. Oh God, would you give each one of us ears to hear your voice? God, would you give us minds to understand your word? Would you give us hearts to embrace your truth? And God, would you be so powerfully with us that you would give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of this resurrection story. Would you use those words to make us more like your son, our savior, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. If you want to follow along with me, you'll find a uh, outline in your bulletin. We're going to look at this. We're going to look at the tale of these two stories that emerge, the, the contrast of the two storylines and, and then land is by saying, well, what, what is our story in this whole story that God has for us? And the first story we're going to look at is this. It's the politically correct and the religious story. There was a politically correct and religious story that emerged. As a matter of fact, it's so much so that even before Jesus' resurrection, they tried to contain the story. There was a containment uh, deal struck up, trying to make sure that things weren't going to grow worse. You see, Jesus was a nuisance to these religious folks. He'd come and really showed a whole new way to the father and they didn't like it. And the political folks were told that there's a new king in town and they didn't like it either. And they wanted this. Jesus was causing mischief all over Jerusalem, all over Galilee, all over the world was changing because of this, because of this Jesus. And so they said, well, we want to make sure that things don't get out of hand. We don't want anything to be happening to make matters worse. We don't want this thing going viral. So we got to get a plan. Anybody here play chess? I'm not very good at chess. <laughs> Usually I'm the first guy. I'm more of a checkers guy than a chess guy. But one of the things I love coming here is uh, there's always chess boards set up for Orangewood Christian school students. And often through the day, they're, they're playing chess. And they say about someone who's a master of playing chess, really what they're very good at is anticipating your next move. They can anticipate what you want to do and the moves you want to make. And so what they will do is they will make moves to block you, moves to block your strategy so, so that you cannot get the upper hand. Well, this is what was happening. There was, a, there was a move made by the chief priests and the political leaders to block a, a, a rumor. And there was a rumor going around. You know, there's a rumor that, that Jesus said before he died that in three days, something incredible is going to happen that he would be raised from the dead. So they want to make sure, let's contain that story. So here's what we're going to do. Let's set a guard. 
let's set a guard over Jesus's tomb. And not only that, let's seal it with a Roman seal. Because we don't want this story going around that somehow Jesus isn't in the grave. Because they knew this. If there wasn't a body in the grave, it would add jet fuel. Jet fuel to the story. And this thing was going to go viral. So they tried containing the story. But it didn't work. When that didn't work, they had to try to spin the story. Spin the story and say, well, this is what really happened. How crazy. I mean, listen. How crazy is this story? The spinning story is that we're going to have that these Roman guards fell asleep. Maybe they had a little bit too much booze that night. You know, it was a long day, a long work week. And maybe they just had a couple too many. And man, it was a starry night. And they just kind of fell asleep. And as they fell asleep, they, they had these disciples of Jesus, these, these guys that smelled like fish, these weird group of folks that, that they were going to come and they were going to steal the body of Jesus. Now, I want you to know, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like, it's like being told that our Marines are going to fall asleep at their post. It's being told that we had a fort taken over because, you know, the, the few, the, the brightest, the best, the Marines, they're, they're sleeping on the duty. That's the crazy spin of the story. Well, they, they not only want to contain the story, try to spin the story, but they also say, well, let's tell a contrasting story. It's interesting to go and tell. And so when you have this contrasting story, what we got to look at is this, is that the power of politics and the power of religion was on this spinning story. Let's look a little bit further. So if you got a story that's emerging and you got politics and religion and money on your side, and you're in a, listen, you're in a society that's really, he said, she said, there's no, there's no video. He said, she said. So who do you have on one side? You have the Roman authorities and you have the religious leaders. Who do you have on the other side? Women. Now, God tells us very clearly that male and female are been made in his image, that we together, we have the, we're, we're the same of worth. In God's eyes, equality in God's eyes, male and female. But you got to understand, in this society, it was not so. They hadn't received their due rights as image bearers of God. And there's absolutely absurdity that one story is being told by all the power and the other story is going to be told by women. This is what God has chosen to do. Do you know that in Jesus's day, this is, this is sad, but women weren't even allowed to testify in court. And yet you have the contrast of power, authority, and money. And a few women. By the way, these women had really a kind of a spotty past. Kind of scandalous. Let's give another shout out to the women. Do you know the women were the last ones at the cross? And they were the first ones at the tomb. And they were the first ones that were given the greatest message to go tell. And they were told, listen, you go and tell the story that Jesus is alive. And by the way, we're going to put you up against the political and religious leaders of your day with all the money. And what story is going to survive? Marvel at that. With all the money and all the power, marvel at the fact that, that this resurrection story still went viral. It's got to be true. You know, the interesting thing about this story, we would, we would be foolish to be here. We should not gather here. If the Romans or the, or the religious leaders could do just one thing, if they could produce the body, if they could produce the body, the whole story of Christianity crumbles. This whole thing that Jesus is the Messiah that came as the Lamb of God to take on our sins and to conquer sin and death. If they could just produce a body, 
And believe me, they scramble for it. I love the honesty of scripture. Paul will tell us in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, there is no resurrection from the dead. And if he hadn't raised from the dead, then we're still in our sins. He says this, he says this, listen, of all people, if there's not a resurrection, we are the most to be pitied. We've been bamboozled. And everything that we believe in is in vain. If Jesus is dead, we're not forgiven. If Jesus is dead, we aren't made alive. We have no hope. And yet in the midst of the power, in the midst of the money, in the midst of the authority, this resurrection story not only has survived, it's thrived. Well, that's the, the contrasting story. In some ways, we hear this resurrection story. And I, I love the way that God tells this resurrection story because I don't know if you could see it at first or not, but really what God is doing, like God does so well, he's mocking earthly powers. He's mocking those who try to say, we're going to try to keep your son down. The first thing he mocks them with is this angel who sits on the sealed stone. He's, what is he sitting there? Is he tired? No. He's sitting there in like victory. Yeah, nice little stone you got here, fellas. Nice little like Roman seal. You have a big brother who ever sat on you? Some of you know this and it makes you mad just thinking about it, right? Because he sat on you in humiliation. He might have tickled you. I remember hearing a story uh, uh, that my wife Katie says that her brother would sit on and say, okay, uh, I'll get off if you stop laughing and tickles her. And said, so she laughs and thinks, this is not fun. I'm being bullied. Repent of that, Taylor. <laughs> what Jesus is doing with these angels is he's bullying death. He's mocking it. You think you got a stone big enough to keep my son down? You think you could put a little Roman seal on this thing? This thing's going to go away. So you have this angel that sits on it in victory. But there's more. The Roman soldiers, the soldiers of the day, the trained ones, these warriors, they're paralyzed in fear. I bet you've been there. A few times in our life, almost every one of us is paralyzed in fear. Have you ever been there? Have you ever just, I mean, something happened maybe in that instant and you, I mean, all of a sudden you can't move because of fear. It says they became like dead men. Now, listen, I don't want to rip on them too badly here because I guarantee you this. If an angel shows up and I see it, I'm going to be paralyzed in fear too. And only by the grace of God who touches us. But here you have God mocking earthly power. And not only that, you ready for this? He's going to turn to the women and comfort them. And say, by the way, let me turn your fear to joy. And let me give you access to this Roman sacred space or this religious space that they wanted you to step through the tape here, ladies. Come on, let me show you where the empty tomb is. Let me, let me show you where the body was. They're mocking it all, saying, you think you could hold him? You think you could contain him? No way. It's amazing. He mocks the earthly power. But secondly, with this resurrection story, he tells the true story. I love it when we read through this. It was very clear. Listen, Jesus really died. It wasn't like he was unconscious. He, he died. He died for our sins. Jesus was buried. I mean, his lifeless body was placed into a tomb and Jesus was resurrected. And by the way, just as he said. So you have this mocking of the earthly power, the telling of the true story. 
And then in only, only God's fashion, he empowers the storytellers. And who does he empower? Those with a spotty past to be the ones to go first and tell. Again, he, he tells these women, Mary Magdalene, well, Mary had seven demons in her at one time. And she's got a really spotty reputation. She's got a checkered past. This is the one that Jesus is going to tell. And he's going to go, they're, they're going to go up against the world powers. Yes, because that's how Jesus does it. God powers, empowers the weak and the broken with checkered past like you and me to go tell the story. Well, I think if we just stop and we look at these stories and we look at, okay, power, control, have all the stuff there against this resurrection story. It seems like which story should win? Which story should really gain the day? A story that was given by a couple of women or those chief priests. You often wonder what has separated me from the rest. It's my marketing degree from Florida Southern College. It really uh, sets you up for great success. And I'm, I love Florida Southern, but I got to be honest with you, I really love marketing and advertising. If I wasn't doing this gig, which thank God, I couldn't do really anything else, but I'd want to go into marketing and advertising. But when it comes to God's marketing department, I'm thinking, man, who put that thing together? And then here, here, here's, what, here's, here's his idea. Hey, let's, let's take some women. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know what they're, what they're thought about right now, culture. And let's, let's not just have any women. Let's have these shady past characters. And let's tell these women to go tell a bunch of scaredy cat disciples who are cowering and hiding right now, who will deny their savior even to the last moment. This doesn't seem like a terribly good idea to me. It seems like if me, if for me, it's like, okay, let's get this power. Let's get this uh, PR engine cranked up. Let's get our advertising uh, stuff cranked up. Let's get the brightest and the best. We got some story to tell. We want to tell a story that Jesus is alive, that your sins can be forgiven. And we want to make sure that we have power and authority on our side. God says, I don't need any of it. This story is so amazing and so good that all I need of the broken all I need are the tarnished. All I need are those who have the scandalous joy of knowing that Jesus actually did this for you and me. I don't care about their past. I don't care about their brokenness. I want to tell the world about me through them. This is his plan. And then you have these contrasting of two storylines. There's a lot of similarities with this, which is very interesting. You have in one storyline, well, a risen body. and the other one, you have a stolen body. And you have to know this, that all of the world hangs in balance of which one of these is true. They both have fear in the story, both stories. One fear leads to paralysis and death. The other fear of these women, it led to joy, great joy in life. But you know what else intrigues me about this? When you dig a little bit closer, both had a debt that was paid. By the way, do you know that all the uh, passengers in flight 3411 by United Airlines, they've been reimbursed for the flight. All of them, they're going to reimburse for the flight. Okay. <laughs> Decent sum of money, I would think. I think it's a step in the right direction. You think they're done paying for that? There's no way, right? No way. But they, they knew that, hey, this is going to cost them something. 
And you know that they were lawyering up because everybody's lawyering up because you know that that thing's gone viral and they, they better be ready to pay a, a sum, a pretty good sum and take their lumps. You know what's interesting? Who did the Roman soldiers go to? They certainly didn't go to Pilate. Why didn't they go to Pilate? He probably would have killed them. Hey, by the way, Pilate, we, uh, we got a story here. We fell asleep and that guy, Jesus, he's no longer there. They went, listen, they went to the source that wanted the story covered up more than anybody else. They went to the chief priest. And what did the chief priest say to him? It's very, very interesting. The chief priest says, okay, here's our story. You guys are gonna have to tell this. I know you're Roman soldiers, fellas. I know y'all think you're like the few, the brave, the, the best. You know, let me tell you something, you fell asleep. And you got these disciples, you let them come in and these disciples stole the, the body. I'm gonna give you money for your dereliction of duty for being as, as bad as you could ever be, I'm going to give you a large sum of money to tell this story. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say this. He says, don't worry about the higher ups. I got them covered. The chief priest says, they basically say so that you can have no cares carefree. There's no burdens. A debt is going to be paid to these incompetent soldiers or these afraid cat soldiers. So that they will go free and not have any worries. But you see, the story of the gospel, the story of Jesus is that a debt was paid. He paid the debt because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And the debt that we deserve in the holy God's eyes, he would hang on a cross. He paid the debt for us. What a large sum. Okay, United 3411, you got a free ride and it was a terrible ride. But what God is saying is, listen, I'm going to send my son and all that I require of you, he is going to do. And the death that we all deserve, he is going to die. Why? So that we can be set free. So that we can be set free. We can be given access to heaven. That he would pay it all. And now he says, now I want you to go worry-free with me, carefree. How is it with you? I mean, we all want that freedom. Are you trying to find that freedom based on a lie and a cover-up or based on a resurrection? And also in these contrasting storylines is both are commanded to go and tell. I mean, here's what the chief priest, okay, fellas, is well, you got to go tell. You got to start living out this story. Go and tell that you slept. Go and tell that your dereliction of duty was so bad that the disciples got in there and stole the body. Is that crazy or what? But that's what they were told to go and tell. But Jesus has also said, go and tell. And he told those women, who are the first people he said to go and tell to? Go and tell my brothers. Let that, let that resonate for a minute. Jesus said, go and tell my brothers. Jesus, even at this point, is not ashamed to call his disciples brothers. It's a wonder he said, go and tell my brothers. It's amazing he didn't say, hey, listen, go tell my deserters. Go tell that band of wimps. Go tell those guys that are locked up, fearful of their lives. No, he says, go tell the ones I'm not ashamed to call brothers. I laid my life down for them and I love them. And here's what I know about Jesus. If he can call them brothers, he can call you and me brothers too. He says, now I want you to go and tell the world. And as you go, go and worship me. What incredible contrasting storylines. Go and tell a story of death and deception and theft or go and tell a story of life. And lastly, how is this story with you? Is this a story to entertain you? It's an Easter story. I stand before you by the grace of God alone and say, this is 
my story. Jesus was crucified, not just 2,000 years as an act in history. He was crucified for my sins. He died for me. Jesus was, was risen from the grave. And as he defeated death, so did I. And as he opened up paradise, I have access to it as well. Because he lives, I live. And the resurrection is, is God's proclamation that the sacrifice worked. He accepted it by removing his son from the grave. This is my story. And this is a story that God has called me. One with a spotty reputation and a checkered past. To go and tell. He says, listen, I want you to go. I want you to go forgiven and free. The debt was really paid. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear and telling you what you're not. Let me tell you what you are. You're mine. You've been paid for. You were bought with a price. You have peace with God and you will forever have peace with God through the God of peace and his blood. You're one with Christ. I can say I've been crucified with Christ. The life I now live, I live by faith in him who gave himself up for me and died for me so that I might live with him. And I, like many of you, we can live now with great joy. Joy of knowing whose we are and what he's done for us. I love the fact that even in that, the first time the angels spoke to the women, they, they were in between fear and great joy. Can you relate to that? Seems like I live most of my life in between fear and great joy. But he says, go, go and tell. Who did he say go and tell to? Go and tell, he said, he said it to those who were weak. Those who were broken. Those who had a past that was questionable. And that's how he tells his story. It's through you. It's through me. It's through those of us who by God's grace can say, it's not just a story. It's my story. That is my hope. That is my joy. That is my life that Jesus came for me. And because he lives, I live too. What story are you living? What story are you living? All of us are living a narrative. What, what story, what does that story tell you about who you are? What does that story tell you about who God is? Do you have a God who's angry with you or a God who's in love with you? Do you have a God who is dead or a God who's defeated life? Are you living life for, for your own selfish ambitions? Or are you living life for his glory because he loved you enough to lay his life down so you could live for something so much more than your pathetic small life. You could live for him and find joy, joy incomprehensible in the good news of the gospel. The stories were told, one of death, one of life, the gospel story, the resurrection story. May that be the story that all of us know, love, and tell. Can you say, this is my story? This is my hope? This is my identity? This is my life? That's the gift that Jesus offers to us this Easter and every Sunday. Let us pray. Father God, I just love the fact that everything was stacked up against your son. The political powers hated him. The religious powers hated him. They hated him so much that they and us would cry that he would be crucified. And what, who was he? He is the spotless lamb of God. He's the one who came to show us how to love and how to live. 
He's the one who would wash our feet. He's the one who who finally loved you with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and finally loved our, his neighbor as ourself, and yet we called for his life to be ended. Oh God, it offended the powers of this world that he lived and walked on this earth to the point where they were going to kill him and did, and try to keep a story of him coming back to life from even happening. But God, we love the fact that no matter what the world power does, the good news of the gospel marches forward. That you have declared that Jesus is the son of God by the power of the resurrection. And because he lives, we know that you are now making all things new in this crazy, broken, messed up world. Jesus is our only living hope. God, I, I pray for each one of us. Each one of us has to wrestle with, is this just a story outside to entertain me or to, to ponder? Or is this our story? Is this a story that we realize it's so personal? Because Jesus didn't just die. He died for me. And he wasn't just resurrected. He was resurrected for me. And now because he lives, I live too. Father, I pray for the one who maybe is hearing this story for the first time, that God, you would give him the grace and the faith to embrace Jesus, to say, I just confess that I'm broken and embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. And God, I thank you that through that incredible gift, you make us new. Would you do that, I pray, for your glory and for our hope, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.